Real Presence Live. Religion has understood things about the way humans function long before science was able to prove anything. Local. It's always important for all of us to kind of look externally and say, what about these family? They are just like the Holy Family. They're experiencing the same persecution. Engaging. Jesus wants to be with us. I always think of that as at the heart of the Eucharist. Live. A mystery then of the rosary allows us to see a teaching of the church, but to be able to go deeper within that teaching. Good morning and welcome to Real Presence Live right here on the RPR Network. I am one of your hosts this morning, Brad Gray. I'm joined by my co-host, Janine Bitson. Janine, good to see you again. Oh, it's great to see you too, Brad. I've been missing you. We've got a little bit of a reunion tour here after we a couple do. months away, so this is excellent. And it's a, a fantastic day for us. We are prepping for a big, big event, right? A big solemnity this weekend. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Corpus Christi Sunday. And boy, when you think of Holy Week and Easter and now we get to celebrate Corpus Christi. Those are really the highlights of the Catholic faith. Yes. I mean, there's so many good things about it, yep. but these are just the, oh, just the source and summit. Christ of Himself. Yes. Well, let's uh, let's start this thing off with a prayer and coming before the presence of our Lord Jesus, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, we glorify you. We give you praise and thanks. We thank you especially as we prepare for the feast of Corpus Christi, the great solemnity. We thank you for the gift of your life on our behalf and for continuing that gift, for inviting us into that sacrifice through the gift of the Eucharist by which you nourish us, you build us up, you sanctify us, you make us more and more yours. We ask, Lord, that you claim us anew today. Fill us with your grace and your love and your mercy. Open our hearts to all that you want to say to us and do within us. We ask for your blessings upon this radio show, upon our conversation over these next couple hours. And we ask, Lord, that our light, our, our day may be lived out in the light of your Eucharistic love. We pray this all in your name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Wow. Awesome. Thank you well, for praise such a God. beautiful prayer. Uh, yes. thank, thank God for being here, right? Oh, <laughs> for it, bringing it us here. It is. It's a blessing. It's a gift. And I'm so excited about uh, Real Presence Radio, Real Presence Live all week. Yeah. We are going to celebrate the Eucharist. Yeah. So stay tuned. If there's one week this year to listen to Real Presence Radio, do it this week because the guests we have to help us deepen our love for the Eucharist and understanding of the Eucharist. Yep. Oh, man, we are ready for an incredible lineup. Yeah, right. And to give us uh, an overview of our inaugural show of this week of the Eucharist, we got Aaron on the other side of the glass. Good morning to you, Aaron. Good morning, guys. How are you? Awesome. Great. How about yourself? Doing excellent. Thank you. Praise God. Amen. What do we got coming up? Yeah. So the start of this week of the Eucharist right here on Real Presence Live, we have in the first hour Bishop David Kagan of the Diocese of Bismarck to speak on the goodness of receiving the Eucharist with reverence. After that, Father Jim Meyer of the Diocese of Fargo will be in the hot seat with us during Straight Talk to answer your questions on the faith. Then in the second hour, we are blessed to have Bishop John Lavore of the Diocese of New Ulm to speak on the beauty of venerating the Blessed Sacrament in adoration. To wrap up the hour, we'll have Father Tim Smith of the Diocese of Sioux Falls to speak on making a fruitful Holy Communion. All this and so much more here on Real Presence Live. It's going to be a great show today. Absolutely fantastic. Thanks so much, Aaron. Thank you, guys. Well, I think we should get this thing started with a, with the big guns, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we do have a lot of incredible yeah. uh, 
holy, holy men that are going to help us through our show today yeah. that are going to just bring so much insight and so much love of what we share every time we celebrate the Eucharist. Yes. Yeah, and, and to begin things here, I'm just excited that we get to start off with Bishop David Kagan of the, the Diocese of Bismarck. What a terrific bishop, doing an awesome job of leading the Diocese of Bismarck. So, uh, Bishop, are you on the line with us this morning? I am. Good morning. Good morning to you. Thanks so much for being with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. This is, uh, this is a big week for us as Catholics, wouldn't you say? Oh, it most certainly is, uh, as the Church has constantly and continues to teach us the Most Holy Eucharist is the very source and summit of our lives. So uh, every day should be the day of the Holy Eucharist. Yes. But it's good we set aside, you know, uh, yep. specific times for this. Kind of like an anniversary, uh, like a let's say Valentine's Day or something like that, right? Every every day should be a celebration of marital love between husband and wife. But it's, as you say, right. it's good to focus on it specifically and intentionally from time to time. Right, right, and yeah. you know, and that's what's so important too is with it being the source and summit of our faith, Bishop, is that we really need to be receiving the Eucharist reverently and and with a great mm-hmm. understanding of of the gift that it is to us. Can you talk to us a little bit about how we can receive Christ more reverently? Uh, well, you know, that uh, is what the Church uh, always urges us to do is to uh, recollect and prepare ourselves uh, in a, uh, an intentional way uh, to receive our Lord in Holy Communion, and uh that uh, has two aspects to it, our internal disposition, and of course, we, uh, if we are aware of having committed, God forbid, uh, but it is possible, a mortal sin, mm-hmm. uh, we may not receive Holy Communion until we actually confess that sin and uh, receive the absolution uh, given to us by the priest. Uh, but... Uh, it, uh, thanks be to God, uh, hopefully for most of us, that isn't something we, we're uh, inclined to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, But uh, just to recollect ourselves as well when we're at Mass, of course, uh, when we begin Mass with the penitential rite, we should do a quick examination of of conscience of life and express our sorrow through the penitential rite for all of those venial sins that uh, can be so aggravating and and kind of habitual in our lives, uh, and receive the absolution given at the end of the penitential rite. And, of course, that uh, prepares us uh, in an interior way uh, to receive our Lord worthily in the Holy Communion, but there's also the the exterior expression of that interior uh, disposition of uh, humble willingness and, and gratitude for the gift of our Lord in the Holy Eucharist. Mm-hmm. And that includes not just our posture, uh, but our dress, and uh, particularly uh, in the nicer months, the nice weather, 
uh, we have to be, uh, you know, aware of how we dress uh, in a in an appropriately modest way, both women and men. It uh, doesn't reserve just for women. And uh, how we present ourselves physically mm-hmm. to the Lord uh, in, to receive Him. Uh, and we have to be very conscious that as we consume Him, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist, He is consuming us mm. with His merciful uh, love and uh, uh, is strengthening us uh, for the continued pilgrimage through this life uh, and to the Father in heaven, and so it's it's exceedingly important about to talk about, but more than talk, just uh, practice that proper preparation and proper disposition, both interior and and exteriorly, mm-hmm. uh, to participate. Uh, appropriately and worthily in the reception of our Lord in Holy Communion. So it's it's not just, you know, kind of nice little one-line sayings. It, it, the Church is always urging us uh, to keep this uppermost in our minds uh, when we are uh, presenting ourselves at Mass, uh, to receive our Lord in Holy Communion. Oh, well, that that is just so beautifully put. Uh, you know, disposition is everything. Mm-hmm. It, it is so, so important. Um, you know, when we talk about receiving him reverently, you know, in those dispositions, interior mm-hmm. and exterior, how about when we actually receive him? You know, is there a preference of, you know, in the hands or on the tongue, you know, does the church have the specific- church, The church is clear. The church leaves the manner of how we receive our Lord in Holy Communion to the individual communicant. Mm-hmm. And uh, whether uh, on the tongue or uh, receiving our Lord in the hand, the church is has given direction for both. Uh, and, you know, if we're looking for a long, you know, 10 or 12-point taxative list of uh, things, we won't find it. But mm-hmm. the Church is quite clear that if one wishes to receive our Lord on the tongue, one may do so in that way, either kneeling or standing. Uh, but if it's on the tongue, one must... Uh, present oneself in such a way that the uh, the priest or the deacon or the extraordinary minister of Holy Communion uh, is able to easily place the sacred host on one's tongue. Now, I've been a priest 44 years, and uh, uh, I can tell you that uh, however people choose to receive Holy Communion, there are uh, uh, varieties of ways they do that, uh, and some are quite uh, inconvenient, I mm. would say, for the the priest. Uh, sometimes people don't stick, they just open their mouths, but don't uh, stick their tongue out, and so you're almost sticking your fingers <laughs> inside <laughs> someone's mouth. That's not what the Church ever meant by receiving Holy Communion on the tongue. When I made my first Holy Communion, 
that was the only way we were to receive. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were schooled very carefully in how you stick your tongue out so it's easy for the priest mm-hmm. to place the sacred host on the tongue, and that, that's not changed. Now, if it's in the hand, and that's, again, it's not something the Church says the priest or the bishop can uh, uh, tell people they must do, mm-hmm. But if you wish to receive in the hand, the Church is clear. You place uh, both hands, palms up, your left hand over the right hand. The, uh, the priest places the host in your hand. You step to the side with your right hand, take the host, and put the host in your mouth and consume it, and then proceed back to your, your pew. Uh, it's not a matter, uh, and again, there are all kinds of ways people try and receive Holy Communion in the hand, which are not only uh, confusing, but sometimes uh, it's difficult to figure out where should I place the host. Uh, you don't grab for the host, as some do. Uh, you don't, you know, kind of make a little funnel out of your hand so that You know, you're kind of hoping I can get the host on one of your palms without it slipping through and falling on the floor. And the importance importance of that, Bishop Kagan, I'm sorry to interrupt, but we don't want Jesus to drop on the floor. No, that can't happen. I mean, it happens accidentally from time to time, but uh, the greatest care, that's all part of the care and reverence the Church asks of all of us when we receive Holy Communion. Uh, the the manner uh, with which the communicant receives, the Church says that's that person's choice. But again, uh, along with the proper interior and external disposition to receive Holy Communion is the proper posture and and uh, uh, actual receiving of our Lord in Holy Communion. It's all meant to be an expression of profound uh, reverence and gratitude for the supreme gift of the Lord himself to us in his body and blood. Right. Yeah, right. we're speaking right now with Bishop David Kagan of the Diocese of Bismarck. Uh, we're we're launching this week dedicated to the gift of the Eucharist. Bishop, one of the things that you said that I thought was really uh, um, significant, really kind of pertinent to our times, is you'd mentioned dressing properly for Mass. And right. we have, societally, we've, we've kind of lost a sense of reverence in general. You go to a wedding, and people aren't dressed like they used to be. Um, you go to Sunday Mass, and it's oftentimes, especially here in the, sun, uh, in the summer, it looks like people are ready to go to the lake. Um, yeah, and yet we're, so. we're We're moving... We're entering into an utterly unique experience, unlike anything else we do in the course of our life, a place unlike anywhere we will ever go during the rest of our life. We're going into the very throne room of God himself. Um, mm-hmm. Could you just go a little bit further onto that aspect of, of reverently preparing to receive the Lord in, in the Eucharist and honoring him in the way that we dress, the way that we present ourselves to him? Because I think that's a significant one for our times. Well, it, it is, and, you know, uh, I, I try every year uh, to communicate this to our own Catholic people, whether it's in our diocesan newspaper or on our weekly uh, Faith Matters video. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how we dress 
uh, speaks volumes about uh, our attitude toward uh, Holy Communion and more specifically the real presence, body, blood, soul, and divinity of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Holy Eucharist under the outward forms of bread and wine. Uh, it's not like going to a picnic. I've mm-hmm. seen people dress better to go to a baseball game than I've seen people dressing, you know, to come to Mass. And uh, it doesn't require that you have to go out and spend two or $3,000 on a wardrobe. Right. Uh, it just, you know, think about who it is in whose presence you are entering. This is the Lord God of all life, you know, the Lord of time and, and all of human history. Well, the, I... You know, uh, the Redeemer of all mankind. Yes. Right. You know, just think of this. You know, as I say, it's not, it's not the, the biggest thing, but uh, how we dress for Mass does reveal a bit of how we look at the Mass. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's a privilege yes. to be at Mass. Well, and ultimately, you know? Bishop, when we receive Christ at Mass, we have one foot in heaven. Right. And to really no, yes, understand by that... All means. Right. Yeah. We have one foot in heaven, and when you think of the glorious... Uh, goal for all of us, hopefully, is to be totally in heaven yeah. eternally. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, Bishop, we uh, this we've gotten a great start to our our examination of the Eucharist this week. It's already flown by, and we've kind of come to the end here. But I really want to thank you for being on with us and for beginning to open the discussion about how do we prepare ourselves to receive the Lord, not only in Corpus Christi but uh, every single Mass. So thanks for being well, with us so much, Bishop. Both. Thank you, Bishop. Thanks, Brad. Thanks, Janine. God bless you. God bless you, too. You have an awesome uh, week. All right. And we're going to step away, but uh, we'll be right back on the other side of this break with more examination of this gift of the Eucharist. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live will be coming to you five days a week starting in July. That's right, beginning July 1st, we'll bring you Real Presence Live Monday through Friday mornings from 9 to 11 Central with an encore of each show on Saturday. Plus, we'll bring you new hosts, new locations, and new opportunities to share stories of faith and pray for those in need. Stay tuned for more details. It's Real Presence Live, local, engaging, and live five days a week beginning July 1st, only on the RPR Network. The only things hotter than the summer heat are the rates to run radio spots on the RPR network. That's not all. The signal of Real Presence Radio reaches an audience of over 2.1 million people across North Dakota, Minnesota, South Dakota, Wisconsin, and Wyoming. Hi, this is Brett Byler, Area Account Executive with Real Presence Radio, and I want to help you grow your business in front of a very faithful customer base. Don't wait. Call me, Brett Byler, at 605-670-8333. 
One very important parish will receive special treatment at the 2020 Built Upon a Rock Fest, including catered lunch on the concert day, meet and greet with the bands, and a special preview performance. Built Upon a Rock Fest is grateful for parish support and wants to give back. All sponsoring parishes will be entered into a drawing, and the VIP will be drawn on stage at the concert on September 14th. For details, check out builtuponarockfest.com. Builtuponarockfest.com. June 18th through the 20th marks the week of the Eucharist on Real Presence Live. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday morning from 9 to 11 Central. Tune in as we seek to educate, inspire, and promote the Catholic teaching of the Real Presence of Christ in the Holy Eucharist, leading up to the solemnity of the Most Holy Body and Blood of Christ on Sunday the 23rd. It's the transforming week of the Eucharist on Real Presence Live, Tuesday, June 18th through Thursday the 20th, right here on Real Presence Radio. You're listening to the RPR Network. Now, back to more Real Presence Live. And we are back with more Real Presence Live. This is Brad Gray and Janine Bitson on this morning. We're your hosts for these next couple hours. Janine, uh, this is an awesome, awesome week. We had an awesome interview with Bishop David Kagan just now. It was. It was fantastic. And just talking about the reverence and mm-hmm. receiving the Eucharist, it's so, so important you know, to really understand. Yes. I mean, it's just not an action. It's not a, a memory. It's like real time. Mm-hmm. It's real time, one foot in heaven when we're receiving the Holy Eucharist. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, that, that previous conversation we just had was, was so good in the fact that, uh, as we were mentioning, how it's hard. There aren't a lot of things in our culture that, that, foster a sense of reverence. You know, back in the days of kings and queens, you had a sense of nobility, you had a sense of, you know, this is this is something grand, I'm entering into something special, you know, you might kneel before the king, and, and those sorts of things. And we just don't have a culture that's built that way any longer. So um, it, it's, it's difficult, I think, for our times to maintain a sense of reverence of something beyond myself. We live in a very relativistic age, and, um, you know, it's kind of all is equal. You know, there's a sense that everything's equal, um, and it, it's so important for us, spiritually speaking, to to realize that some things are way more equal than other things, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think there are a lot of really incredible signs of how our younger generations are are so reverent. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's such an incredible push with our young uh, people now with with relation to the the Eucharist, with relation to adoration, Mm -hmm. daily mass, I mean, is becoming a more common thing in our young people. And it's just really, really cool to see. So I think that whoever is one of those regulars receiving the Eucharist, Mm -hmm. your example and your love for it and being able to articulate um, it. And and I have such a great appreciation for saints. Mm-hmm. And our saints were all close to the Eucharist. They had that right. love of yep. the Eucharist. And how important is that, that we even develop a closer relationship with maybe our confirmation saint mm-hmm. or have a particular devotion to a saint who loved the Eucharist so much to help us deepen our love as well. Right. You see that in the book of Revelation. You see the, the cloud of witnesses that are bowing down before the throne of God, right? Which is what we're doing when we enter in into Mass, into the church and, and receiving the Lord. We're actually coming to be united mm-hmm. with Him ourselves. You know, my patron saint is Saint Peter, who was was there at the institution of the Eucharist. How who, cool is that? You know, got the got the opportunity to receive the first Eucharist. Right. You know, um, which in effect we receive every time because right. it's the same Jesus, right? 
Uh-huh. And it's you've got a real pretty, time. Yeah. You've got a pretty awesome uh, Eucharistic saint yourself. I, I do. In fact, I remember receiving confirmation, and I think the bishop dropped his jaw, you know, like, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so here I am, an eighth grade girl, and I picked St. Tarsisius, a 12-year-old boy who was mm. the first martyr of the Holy Eucharist. Wow. And uh, his feast day is on the Feast of the Assumption, which is so cool, too, yeah, on August 15th. Given but, the occasion, yeah. uh, you should tell us a little bit about Tar- St. Tarsisius. Oh, well, St. Tarsisius. Tarsisius was a 12-year-old acolyte, actually, and the deacon was not able to get the Holy Eucharist to the prisoners Mm. uh, in Rome. You know, the Christians were held in prison before they were led to the Colosseum, Mm -hmm. you know, to their death. But they um, brought, he was going to bring the Eucharist to them in prison. Mm. And on the way there, a group of boys needed another another guy for their game and he refused he had something more important to do and um and they didn't like the no so anyway uh long story short he was um beat up Mm. uh, for not revealing what he was holding and and the really cool miracle of that is that jesus became one with his body Mm. at the time of his death you know so the eucharist was not harmed at all, mm. uh, it became one with Tarsisius's sacrifice. Kind of absorbed, for, so to exactly, speak. Exactly, exactly. Wow. So it's really cool. So it just, it was something I read and read and read about all these saints, and, and he was the one I had a huge connection with. And I still feel that connection yeah. when it comes to the Eucharist. I feel it just penetrate through my body. And you know, one of the fascinating things about the saints and the Eucharist is not only the witness of their love, right? Right. But it's also the witness of their transformation, mm-hmm. right? There's sometimes uh, there's the the sense that uh, you know because we're we're only judged on the lights we're given, and people can't be expected to do something beyond what they're they're even aware of, right? So that we we live in a time for 500 years now where the body of Christ is fractured. And there's a huge portion of Christianity that doesn't get the opportunity to receive the Eucharist on a regular basis. And um, some people will, will adopt the posture that, well, because they don't know, they don't have access to it, it's not, you know, it's not held against them, and therefore it's not really that important to speak about it. But the fact of the matter is the saints show us that Jesus gave us the Eucharist and the sacraments for a reason. Mm-hmm. Because he wants to transform us. He wants to make us into his own image. And so uh, the, the saints stand as a testimony and a witness to us that, that Christ transforms us in the reception of the sacraments and, and makes us uh, reflections of his own glory, right? Right, right. And, and so and that's where the saints really got it. And, and that's where we're all called to be saints. And, and what better way than having a closeness and mm-hmm. understanding and love for the Eucharist. Yeah. You know, that we're all called to be saints too. And that's what's so cool about my patron saint, well, my um, confirmation saint, St. Tarsisius, is at 12 years old. It doesn't matter how old you are. We're all, you know, called to be, have this closeness and right, bond. Right, right. You know, and that's why preparation for First Communion is so important. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, in that it's not just that day, it's the rest of your life. Right. And, and when we speak of love for the Eucharist, um, there's, I think it's probably valuable to, to note that um, love can take many expressions. Love is especially a commitment and a decision, right? Where sometimes people will go through phases where I don't feel anything when I go to Mass, right? There's not, my heart isn't pulsing, I'm not 
burning with uh, with this uh, ex- sort of emotional ecstasy type of thing. Uh, but that doesn't mean that I don't have a, a deep love for the Eucharist. A love for the Eucharist is a commitment that I come to Jesus every time that he calls me, right? And and that I, I strive to give him my heart and strive to give him my attention and, and, and all of that, right? But I, but I also think that is something that is, is tangible. That's, that's, we have the ability to feel that mm-hmm. as we work really hard on that proper internal disposition that sure, Bishop yep. Kagan talked about and, and that external you know, disposition and that posture. Um, I know that even with the Mass, one of the most special parts for me is when we're kneeling humbly and, Lord, I'm not worthy that you mm-hmm. stand under my roof. That just, it's like, wow. I mean, that really gets me ready sure. and understands what an incredible gift it is you know, and right. that I am not worthy, but he's there for me, right. you know. And so I think that there are things that we can do individually, well, it is, you know, it's not mm-hmm. up to somebody else, right. um, that we can heighten that awareness and we can we can feel that incredible gift. We, we can oftentimes, but the, the thing that I think you mentioned is a, a good point is that that is a gift. We can yeah. dispose ourselves to receive the Lord's uh, exp- sharing his experience, but if if I'm striving to come to Jesus and my heart just for whatever reason isn't you know engaged emotionally like I wanted to, that doesn't lessen the, oh, the fact no. of my my um, commitment to Jesus, my love, my devotion, my reverence for Him, even if I'm not feeling something emotionally, yeah. right? Yeah, and I and I totally uh, agree with you on yeah. that. I just think that it's. You know, we are called to that ecstasy. Yeah, too. and the Lord and often gives can, it, right? The Lord we can often gives it. Yeah. That. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Well, this is this is such a, a great show that we've got here um, because the, the the theme, the topic, is so um, foundational. So both both foundational and it's it's the summit as well. It's mm-hmm. it, it's the where we mystery. start and it's where we where we end, where we're aiming for. So. So what a what a gift it is for us to to be able to examine the gift of the Corpus Christi, and that's one thing too. Corpus Christi, um, that where do, where does the word Corpus the term Corpus Christi come from? Uh, it's it's Latin, right? I mean, it's the Latin for the body of Christ. It's right. it's very straightforward, um, but it's a beautiful celebration of love that we we celebrate uh, this Sunday. And it whoa! Oh, well, it sounds <laughs> like we got something on the line here. <laughs> We are segueing now into our uh, daily straight talk segment, and this morning we have Father Jim Meyer from Holy Cross in West Fargo on uh, in with us. Good morning to you, Father. Good morning. Thanks so much for being with us this morning. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, oh, it's great to have it's you this pleasure. morning. Yeah. And you know, uh, our listeners across a, a large listening area. Uh, last week, I kind of called on people to help stump Father Kyle Metzger. Yeah. They were not able to do it, so we need to try and <laughs> stump no, Father. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to. a wonderful young man. Yeah, yeah I'm going to. I'm going to give out the number though. It's one eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. And please call with all your questions or comments that you'd like to share. Maybe you want to share. Uh, a special uh, experience you had with the mm-hmm. Eucharist. Uh, that would be so awesome for our, our listeners to hear um, how you have been touched by by that great, great sacrament. Um, or maybe you want to talk about uh, your experiences in adoration yeah. um, or ask anything of Father Jim Meyer. We're so grateful to have him here this morning. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another thing that people could do is they could uh, ask, what are some, some other good ways of disposing myself to receive yes. the Lord uh, reverently in the Eucharist? So, Father, we're excited to have you in this morning. So, Thank you. Yeah. You know, the beginning experience that I had with the Eucharist was at a young age at St. Anthony of Padua in Fargo. Mm. It's where I grew up, and uh, I loved to serve at the altar. I don't know what it was that attracted me. I'm sure it was the Lord. And I didn't understand it at the time fully mm. and appreciate it as much as I could have. But being there, being present to the Lord, always at the altar, close to Him, was just a special gift. And from that, then it kind of uh, transpired into, I think, my vocation. Mm. Uh, God bless Father Dennis Shu. He mm. is now um, with our, our beloved Lord in heaven, I'm sure. And he was the one who encouraged me to check out the seminary after that because I just enjoyed not only serving at St. Anthony, but then I would go over to St. John's Hospital. Oh, really? And uh, we only lived a block away, and I would serve for the sisters, uh, the Crown sisters that were at that time, and hmm. and uh, I enjoyed it. And uh, then I would go up to the high-rise. We would have Mass on Saturdays at the high-rise. So totally different experience as I was growing up from most people. I just enjoyed being at the Mass and... Uh, when I got to the seminary, Father Don Lipon was our spiritual director at Cardinal Minch Seminary, and uh, he encouraged us to not only engage ourselves in the Eucharist, but also spending time before mm. the yes. Blessed Sacrament. Yes. You know, and it was a progress for me. Uh, you know, you would sit there, I, I'm sure I have all the letters of the alphabet, like ADD, HDA, all those, all those <laughs> things, but it's, uh, it was a progress for me, um, little by little. Mm. And uh, you start out small and you keep growing, but... The encouragement that was there really helped, I think, to form my vocation and to help me to open up myself to know what the Lord was calling me to. So the Eucharist, <clears throat> excuse me, was such a gift. It was such a, a blessing for me that, uh, you know, you don't always realize all the things that go into it yes. right? and all the graces that one receives from it. But opening yourself up for the grace of God is what helps to begin that process. And I think the Eucharist did that for me. It opened my heart and my love for my faith. That's awesome. Well, we in invite all of our listeners to open their heart and their faith and to grow in their awareness and their, their devotion to our Lord in the Eucharist. And you can do that by calling in and getting in on the conversation with Father Jim Meyer here during the Straight Talk segment. You can do that by calling one eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. You can submit a question on Facebook, or uh, if you want to, you can, if you call in, you have a couple different options. You can be on the phone with Father Meyer and ask your question and have a bit of a conversation yourself. Or if you're not comfortable with that, you can call in and just leave a question with the the receptionist here, and they'll pass that along. So. So you can get in and submit questions, comments, enter the conversation about the Lord's presence in your life. Share what, what the Eucharist has meant for you. Share how Jesus has touched you in your life uh, by his gift of the Eucharist. There's, there's no end to uh, our examination that, that we could do in, on this great gift. Right, right. And it's so important for us as Catholics to really understand uh, the institution of the Eucharist and the real presence mm -hmm. that we are receiving because we do have a, a lot of beautiful Protestant friends who have questions about it as well, right. you know, and what we believe. And so for us to be able to articulate that in a loving, uh, knowledgeable way is, is so important. So here you go. Father Jim is here with us to answer any of your questions. I, I know one question that I've had from Protestant friends is like, well, where is that in the Bible? You know, uh, where is it in the Bible that it's his real body, 
blood, soul, and divinity. You know, in the Eucharistic celebration that, um, you know, we have that opportunity, uh, he instituted it in the words, you know, do this in remembrance of me. He, he began his ministry uh, coming into our life at the washing of the disciples' feet. Then he instituted it Last Supper, uh, you know, in that upper room. And we take from it, then he brought himself to us in that special way. And mm -hmm. so scripture reveals itself in these ways of, uh, you know, our patterns of living and how he walked among us. And it's just so great to have the opportunity uh, to know that he wanted always to be with us and to hand that on and then us take that out into the world. And so as, you know, scripture reveals what we do, our actions, you know, we at the mass, you know, we have celebrated the word, mm -hmm. but now we break into, okay, now he's given us this opportunity to celebrate in that way. Mm -hmm. And so now we take it to that next, you know, step, the liturgy of the Eucharist. And the last thing we receive, you know, after, you know, he is uh, broken and, and given to us in, in, in that form of uh, the Eucharist, this gift of body and blood, soul and divinity of himself, we take that onto the world, yeah. You know, and and so Scripture says, you know, this is what He did for the disciples, and he, He's not just telling them so that they can um, just keep it to themselves, right? You know, He's really feeding them and saying, "I'm going to do this. This is what I'm. I'm. I'm here with you now, you know, and and I'll send that advocate later." But which we just, you know, celebrated at Pentecost. Pentecost. But this now, he's, he's he's trying to institute this in our in our life in such a special way that we can we can always you know, gravitate and, and celebrate and, and, and rejoice in, in that gift. And so in scriptures, you can, you can find how he broke the bread and he, you know, gave it to his yeah, disciples in that absolutely. special way. And yeah, in the, in the John chapter six discourse uh, of the Eucharist, it's, it's just so powerful. It's really, really beautiful. It, it's really all right there. Uh, but yet it's so cool when you look at the Old Testament and linking that to the New Testament and to the Last Supper and how it was all, it, it, it's just all right there. It's mm -hmm. so beautiful. Yep. And we want to hear from you, the listeners, to get in on the conversation regarding Christ our Lord in the Eucharist. Call in at 877-795-0122 or submit your question on Facebook. Uh, it is, it's, it's, it's an incredible reality. And it was, as you were mentioning, both Father and Janine, that this was, um, not only was it novel, it was utterly scandalous to the Jews at, at the time of Christ, right? When he says, you must take my flesh and eat it. You must drink my blood um, in John 6, as you were mm -hmm. mentioning, Janine. It, it was something where they, they, the outcry was not only that they said, you know, this is a, this is a hard saying, but they said, who can even listen to it? You know, we're not supposed to, for one thing, eat the flesh of another human being. They weren't supposed to drink blood at all, yeah. no matter animal or human being. And many was, people left. Yeah. Many people left. Yeah. So that was just the, the apostles there. From what the narrative seems to suggest, that was just the apostles or a small group of disciples left saying, are you guys going to leave too? Uh, because this is the, the crux and of Peter what I've come to give to you. And says, to whom should, should I go? Yeah. Where would I go? Yeah. Exactly. So, Father, um, a question that I think a lot of us will have is um, when, let's say, I, I go to daily Mass on a regular basis, and then there's a wedding that I'm going to on a Saturday. So, if I go to a Saturday morning Mass, and then I have a wedding I'm going to Saturday afternoon, am I able to receive the Eucharist at both Masses? Yes, you can. Uh, it used to be before the, uh, they changed the Code of 83, um, it used to be that you could only sell or receive once. Okay. And uh, because of the intention, people thought the more I received, the more holy I would yeah, get. Right. And, 
And uh, we have that opportunity to celebrate with Christ, and it's not based on how much we can gain, like a savings account, but yes. it's the experience of our Lord Jesus, which is so important. And so after that change, you know, the intention is, is not to bank things, sure. right. but to just celebrate with the Lord at every opportunity that you can. So multiple times it is acceptable if that's the intention. Okay, right. excellent. Right. Well, we do have a question on Facebook now. <clears throat> Pam had submitted a question asking, is it okay to pray the rosary during adoration, or should we just gaze on him and be silently listening? You know, everyone has different schools of thought, but it's, I believe, it's always acceptable to do different things before the rosary. When we have adoration, um, sometimes there'll be a scripture reading, sometimes there'll be a, a meditation, sometimes people will reflect on some talk, mm-hmm. um, but being reverent and, and quiet for the other person is right. is most important because you never know where they're at. And, and they came in here for um, a, a, some time that they could spend with our Lord and letting him just visit with them and, and be a part of his life. You know, and I always told people, you know, I never received any call from any great cloud that broke open with thunder Mm -hmm. or, you know, no burning bush came into my life and, you know, words were spoken, but everybody has an experience uh, unto themselves. So going to adoration, taking care of, you know, praying the rosary, which is the scriptures for our Lord. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone thinks it's worshiping Mary, who is not a Catholic, or not the understanding of what, you know, the rosary is, is this is the Lord's life. And we're saying, we're following this, and what, what, what a wonderful opportunity before the Lord to say, these are the steps that you took. This is how you came into the world. This is how you celebrated your life, your passion for us, and your resurrection, and then the luminous mysteries grow. And uh, with all those different sacramental, uh, you know, um, highlights. And so rosary is is a great time to pray before the the sacrament. And yeah, yeah. but as as I said, just uh, do what you need to do in order to foster your own relationship and experience. Now, I always uh, put a caveat there. It's like sometimes people get too busy with the minutia of just running through prayers and stuff. And so take the time to listen as much as you do, you know, express your love for him. Yes. Cause that's, you know, the rosary is a celebration, you know, right. Um, you know, and, uh, Right, it's like it's like allowing Our Lady to take you by the hand and usher you into the mysteries of Christ. Right, right? Right. I mean, and that's what she does. I mean, everything Our Lady does, she always points towards her son. It always leads to her son, and that's why Mary is so important to us as Catholics, is because she helps elevate and deepen our love for. For Jesus. Right. Most definitely. Yeah. Excellent question. So we want to yes, thank Pam thank for submitting that on Facebook. We encourage all the other listeners to join. Let's flood yeah. the flood the lines here with 877-795-0122. Get on the co- in the conversation with Father Jim Meyer uh, as we prepare for the great solemnity of, of Corpus Christi, this this gift by which we are given life. You know, the Lord said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life within you. This is a huge thing. It, this is not a matter of indifference, the fact of, uh, that, that Christ has given us himself in the Eucharist, right? right. That this is uh, one of the primary ways that he comes and, and builds us up, nourishes us, transforms us into his own likeness. So, mm-hmm. And that's, that's what a parish is about. Mm-hmm. It will be the heartbeat of a parish, the, the Eucharistic opportunities that people have to become the Eucharistic people. And they become the source and summit of God's strength. And, and as you continue to evolve as a parish, it's a wonderful opportunity to know and understand and appreciate our Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so I think adoration in every parish is, is real important. And it's something that we should encourage. Now, we're not, you know, 
at the top of our game. We're not, we're not there yet. Uh, and none and, of us will be. And, but we <laughs> strive for it. It's just right, like coming to church. Right. We're not saints. You right. know, we're sinners looking for salvation, looking for reconciliation, looking for, you know, his presence in our life. And so we got to keep striving to become the Eucharistic people. Yeah. Right. When you mentioned right. adoration, we have a caller on the line now, Father, that wants to share a story about adoration. Are you there, caller? Yes, I am. Awesome. Well, go ahead. Share with us uh, your story about adoration. Well, I, uh, one, I've been going to adoration on a weekly basis, and this one particular day, as I was going into the, got out of my car, shut the door, and there was beautiful music, and I thought, oh, somebody's got to be practicing for a wedding. The music was just beautiful. And then as I was walking close to the door, I was thinking to myself, well, how can I pray with, with someone playing this music? And then as I opened the door... There was no music. Mm. No so kidding. It, yeah, so it just kind of gave me the shivers. Yeah. So what does this tell me? I don't know. <laughs> awesome. Well, that is cool, like hearing the heavenly choirs there as you're uh, entering. Right. In. That's awesome. And, and that, is, oh. that is such a, a probable thing. I mean, it, mm-hmm. I mean, we are, when we're in our Lord's presence, we are that much closer to heaven. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, that's t- tell, it told me that the adoration is very important. Yes. Yeah. It's hard to doubt after something like that, right? <laughs> right, yeah. right. That's yeah. wonderful. Absolutely. Well, thank well, you thanks. so much for sharing your story. Yes, absolutely. You, you bet. All right, okay. thanks so much. Bye. All right, we Bye. also now have Cindy from Fargo, and she has a story uh, that she wanted to share. Are you there, Cindy? Yeah. Awesome. Yes, I am. Well, go ahead. Can you tell us that your uh, story about the Eucharist? Sure. First of all, I'm just going to give a shout out to Father Jim Meyer. He's a wonderful holy priest. And Thank you, it's Cindy. a pleasure to hear <laughs> Appreciate him on. that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, my story goes back almost 60 years mm. as to when I was a first grader. And I went to a Catholic school, and this was in the Twin City area. And um, when I was in first grade, uh, I think probably one of the first few days of first grade, we had uh, Eucharistic adoration, and the sisters took all of the grades, grades one through eight, to the church. And, of course, we lined up, and and being a first grader, uh, we got to sit in the first pews closest to the altar. And then the older children were sitting, you know, in the back by grade. But this was my first um, experience with adoration, and I was lucky enough to sit in the very first pew, and the Eucharist was being exposed right in front of me, right at a side mm. altar. I'm not quite sure why, but I remember kneeling and just looking up at the priest and taking this all in, and the incense, and he had a beautiful um, stole on. And at that moment where the priest was going to raise the Eucharist, he wrapped his stole around his arms and hands like they do, mm-hmm. and um, held on to the monstrance to to raise it, to bless us all. And I remember thinking, and my mouth just dropped, 
I remember thinking to myself as a first grader, Jesus must be so holy that the priest cannot even touch the monstrance. Mm-hmm. And, and that stayed with me to this day, mm. and I am almost 60, well, I'm 64 years old, and every time the priest elevates Jesus, I think of how holy Jesus is. Mm. And it was like I was the only one there at the time. It was just the priest, Mm -hmm. Jesus, and myself. Beautiful. As a little first grader. That's beautiful. Oh, I just wanted to share that, how important that is to expose our children at a young age to the Definitely. The beauty of adoration. Oh, thank you yeah, so thank much, you, Cindy. Cindy. That, was, that was awesome. Cindy, over at Holy Cross, we have okay. Trinity School, that elementary school, and the teachers bring uh-huh. the kids over to adoration at different periods of the day. Uh-huh. We can't take everyone in the chapel, but it's such a great uh-huh. environment for them to experience that, especially after lunch. They'll come in and spend a few minutes, and uh-huh. they get to see the Eucharist exposed. And, and no, those are great, great opportunities. And thank uh-huh. you for sharing that experience. Yes, yes you know, thank you. Those are life-changing. So. And I, I thought it was it beautiful, is. Cindy, how as a Catholic you said you were blessed enough to sit in the front pew. I'm like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was only in first grade. <laughs> <laughs> You're a holy lady. God bless you. Oh, thank you, Cindy, for yeah, your call. That's fantastic. Thank you for sharing your story. All God right. bless you all. God bless you, too. Okay, uh, bye-bye. We invite the, uh, our other listeners to call in at 877-795-0122. Share stories uh, of, of your experiences with the Eucharist. Honestly, I, I think those who have gone to Eucharistic Adoration, um, Eucharistic Adoration, it's it's... We we've all got something. We've all the Lord has has made his his presence known to us, um, in in sometimes very subtle ways. I know for myself when I go into uh, we have a Eucharistic chapel at work at the pastoral center here in Fargo in the bishop's office, and and periodically I'll get to take the opportunity to go in just to spend a couple minutes with Jesus, and it's it's always this sense of I'm home. Like just yes, this kind of like you know my my, my patron Saint Peter how he said it is good Lord that we should be here and want to build tents and and stay there at the Transfiguration in the glory of the Lord, and um, for me that's that's so often the sense as I go into uh, the Eucharistic Chapel or when I go to Mass it's just like all the chaos and the muddle and the mess of life you know we got five little kids at home a couple in college and it's just it's constant you know, madness. It, it is. And, it's a really a, a special experience. Yeah. My my husband, John, and I, we go every Monday night uh, for an hour together. And, and it's just really nice to, to share that with your spouse is, is really special too. Mm. Uh, even though you're there as an individual in your relationship with Jesus, it's nice to have well, you're one with your spouse, and, and we have such wonderful conversations afterwards as well. Uh, we like to randomly just open up the Bible and see what Jesus is yeah. trying to say to us, and it's incredible how how relevant <laughs> it yeah. can be in our life just when we're sitting there before Jesus, and then we just flip open a page. I mean, yeah. I would encourage listeners to just try that. It's it's really cool. Yep. And we do have an anonymous caller from Sioux Falls. Before we take the anonymous, I want to once again give out the number. That's 877-795-0122. Anonymous, are you on with us? Yes. Hello. Hello. Good morning, Good morning to you. Uh, you had a story you wanted to share and a shout-out to give, right? 
So either 17 or 18 years ago, when the Monsignor Andrasco Chapel was built and opened at Holy Spirit Parish here in Sioux Falls, um, parishioners were um, excited that 24-hour adoration was offered to us. Mm. So signed up, and not knowing what would happen. So was praying, why, why, why was something not being revealed to me? The very first night of my holy hour, the next day was revealed to me. And I knew this was Jesus affirming that I was to go to the holy hour. Hmm. And 17 or 18 years later, I don't know the exact date, it's been every Monday for that many years with a handful missed just for a vacation here and there. But through that time, the revelations of the faith have been affirmed to the point where I can even make this call. Awesome. That's that's beautiful. Secondly, (laughs) I wanted to talk about Mater Ecclesiae Monastery, which is our own Perpetual Adoration Sisters up at the cathedral, um, open from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Check their website for their hours, and they do Liturgy of the Hours, um, singing the Liturgy of the Hours in the morning and the evening prayer, and they have Mass at 7.30 every morning, but they are there for us praying 24-7 in front of the Blessed Sacrament for I've heard their intentions, and you are in it. Whoever is listening, Mm. you are in their intentions, I guarantee. That's beautiful. Yeah. Hey, thank you for... And the breadth of their intentions. Yes, thank you for sharing. That that Adoration Chapel I know well, that is my uncle, Monsignor Androsco, down in Sioux Falls, and so I've been there many times. He is an inspiration to our, our whole family. But he's such a, a great and wonderful priest, and he's done so much for, you know, the Diocese of Sioux Falls and, and helping to establish Holy Spirit down there. And it was an honor for <clears throat> the family to have that opportunity to have that chapel named after him. Still living, and uh, he goes over there uh, frequently. I'm, I'm sure of that when he's in town during the uh, the summer months. And uh, so God bless you for, for being a part of that. Thank you. And, and one thing I learned last night, they put the papers in there saying there's a website that anyone listening now, if they want to do a holy hour, the website has the entire schedule with all the Mm. openings and substitutes. If they just want to be a substitute, you know, one for one person on one day, it's all managed now through this pro adoration um, company. But how to find it would be to go to Holy Spirit's website and then go to the Perpetual Adoration link, and then you can see the schedule. So anyone yeah. can start adoring on a weekly basis or even as a self. That's, that's well, awesome. We thank you. Thank you so much for your call. It is, it is really important for all of our listeners just to, to pray about that and, and how you could uh, do an hour in adoration um, during your, your holy week. Yeah. I mean, it's yep. uh, we... we 
become closer to Jesus and his life uh, through the Eucharist and through adoring him in adoration. And, and one thing in adoration, you can just be giving thanks to Jesus. You don't have to do a bunch of prayers and stuff. Just be sitting in yep. his presence and thank him for all the blessings in your life. Or what you could be doing is, is dedicate that hour for the reparation of souls around the world. There's so many people who need our prayers as well. So there's... You know, you can yep. take your Bible, you can uh, take a book, you can take your rosary, Lots but great or just sit there and give thanks. Yeah. yeah. Well, we want to. We got a couple minutes left for callers to call in, uh, ask their questions, submit stories that they've got of of the Eucharist with Father Jim Meyer. It's eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two to get in on the conversation or submit a question or comment on Facebook. Um, I got Father. You I just have one comment. You know, the Eucharist when we celebrate Mass, I always find it interesting when I speak to people who are not Catholic. Mm-hmm. Who I, you know, the concept of the Eucharist is not complete in their minds and hearts, but there's always these misunderstandings. Yeah, and and that has led to such uh, disparage uh, kind of remarks, or you know, we're separated in yeah. such a way. I always try to clarify and, and correct that. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I always go back to you know individuals always thought we were doing something weird or, you know, black mass or, you know, all that stuff and magic. And that was when I was younger as a baby priest, I'd call myself, (laughs) I'm now 25 years into the priesthood, but they would, they would comment, you know, you guys practice all this stuff. And I'm like, no, that's not true. And, And it's like, oh yeah, you say that those magic words, like, you know, and it's like, no, that was Latin. You know, when the priest would <laughs> elevate the host the magic say, language, hocus yes. corpus ma'am. And it sounds like, you know, hocus pocus, but it's not. Yeah. You know, and so if you understand what's right. going on, the truth sets you free. Yeah. Right. It yeah. really does. And so helping to build bridges, helping to explain, helping to share your love for the Eucharist, right. helping to show your compassion for Christ. And, you know, taking them into the peaceful journey of how the Lord loves us in such a special way will only build us together, grow us together, and make us one again. And it's just that those kind of opportunities, I never, you know, shirk. I always try to take that time to encourage and and to celebrate that. I just have one more story. I, you know, I began eight years with the bison, uh, being, you know, saying Mass with them. Father Luke Meyer asked at one point, um, and I accepted the opportunity to go and celebrate Mass, and, and it has it has grown. Hmm. You know, we started with, you know, a few kids and then yeah. we're up to like, you know, 25 to 30 wow. kids in mass. And it, it's just, it's such a great opportunity to celebrate with that is awesome. people and grow that mm-hmm. little by little by bringing that compassion, by bringing that love and to, and to encourage people to share yeah. those opportunities. Right. So, I just I, I love it when people can come and, and For sure. can celebrate and realize yeah. what they're getting. Yeah, right. you know when you mentioned Father about non-Catholics, I, I know that we have many non-Catholic listeners as well on Real Presence Radio, and I would I would invite all of you to to go into if there's adoration in your area to go in uh, and spend a little time with Jesus. And I will tell you after. Um, but you got to be careful because after 18 years of working with RCIA, it's been so common for me to hear stories of, I don't know, I was just drawn in and I started going to adoration and, you know, all of a sudden now I'm, I'm kind of interested in becoming Catholic, you know, and, and I, I say that somewhat tongue in cheek, but the fact of the matter is when, when we have our RCIA classes, we'll usually start off at the beginning of the year and uh, we talk about the aspect of receiving communion and so how some people will have the, 
the impression that the church is kind of looking down her nose at non-Catholics saying you're not good enough for communion. But the fact of the matter is that when I receive communion, I'm making a statement that I am in communion with this church. And if I'm not, it's a false statement. So the church just calls for integrity of action. But there's not a person that's ever been created and has walked this planet that is not invited to the Eucharist. This is our universal heritage that Christ has given to all of humanity. And everyone is, is invited, but first we have to be able to make that statement truthfully, right? Well, Father, we're coming to the end here. I've, I'm sorry to have taken up the last minute here. Oh, but, no, it's beautiful. But I want to thank you so much for being on, for leading the conversation here, uh, the discussion of, of the Eucharist. And what a oh, gift. thank you for having me. These stories are great. Love to hear experiences, love to be able to share faith, and appreciate the opportunity and what you guys do on the radio and bringing faith to all people all over the country. So Fantastic. God bless you. Well, thank you so much, Father. God bless you. We're going to step away. We'll be right back with the conversation with Bishop John Lefort. Stay with us.